Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we're going to talk about replacement cycles for onboard technology. Fleets rely on telematic systems and onboard computers to communicate with their drivers and track their trucks and trailers. And federally mandated electronic logging devices are mission critical for regulatory compliance. Even so, fleets often tend to use the same onboard hardware for many years, and in some cases, maybe even a decade or longer. But is that going to be good enough in the future? Or will fleets need to upgrade their onboard hardware more often to keep up with the pace of technology? We'll set out to answer that question in this episode. To learn more, I recently spoke with two industry leaders in trucking's technology sector. Later in the program, we'll bring in Derek Powell, the president of Velocity, a company that installs and repairs onboard technology for fleets. But we'll begin with my conversation with Omnitrack CEO Ray Greer during the company's Outlook 2020 user conference in Las Vegas, where we discuss the latest developments at Omnitrack's and how the company aims to accelerate the pace of hardware replacement. Let's play those interviews now. I'm here at Omnitrack's Outlook 2020 user conference in Las Vegas, and I'm very excited to bring in Omnitrack CEO Ray Greer. I know this is a very busy event for you and the whole company, so thanks for taking some time out of this uh, very busy day to chat with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, Ray, you've been leading Omnitrax for two years now, and I think it's fair to say that the company has been going through a metamorphosis, right? You know, most notably with the move toward a unified software platform, Omnitrax One, which you're rolling out now, and it really pulls together the various various product lines that Omnitrax has acquired over the years. But broadly speaking, I like to ask you to des- describe the journey that this company's on, especially over the last two years while you've been at the helm. Yeah, well. Omnitrax was, you know, a combination of three different entities. They all originated from different ends of the transportation sector. And the laws that changed around compliance are driving a natural convergence of them. Because fleets that used planning and routing tools didn't really think about telematics and compliance as a condition for operating their fleet, and fleets that were very compliance-focused didn't really think about routing and dispatch tools, and they tended to solve those problems uniquely. When the two companies came together, you know, they were operating in two separate platforms, two separate, what I would consider monolithic Mm. uh, infrastructures, and what we're basically doing is creating a new platform that has a common data architecture, common software development tools, testing tools, security tools. So if you think about a driver, they all had drivers, they all had entities, they all had vehicles, and we're pulling that together under a common platform. 
and and then we're moving each of the applications onto that platform so that when you set up a driver or an entity, you do it once, and all you need to worry about is using the services that you need to run your business. So we have 32 different applications across our company. They'll run on a common platform with a common architecture, and it essentially takes the complexity out of the process of building software, testing it, and deploying it. Sure, I think that's a good segue to, to think about one of the other points that you made this uh, this morning in your keynote at this conference. You said that there's this natural tension between supporting old technology while also innovating and developing new technology. You know, and the industry, of course, has to find uh, the right balance between those two. Uh, why did you feel it was important to make sure that your fleet customers understood that problem, that challenge? And how was Omnitrax finding that balance between the two? Well, some of the applications we have were built 15 years ago. And we modified those applications to be compliant with the law. And it was a very complex development process that took over 250 man years. And we did it in three different instances because of the evolution of technology. But the truth is, if you were building that from scratch with today's modern tools and architectures, you would do it completely differently. Right. And so my point to customers is to understand that the enhancements you make to the old systems will not serve them well. It won't serve us well, and we're better off biting the bullet and doing it in the new platform. So there will be cases where in order to get access to certain features or functions, they'll move over into the new platform to gain that capability because to keep sustaining for another five years, ten years, is just counterproductive, and it slows things down it's more expensive, and it's less responsive. And I only mentioned it today because, you know, when customers say, I'd really love this new feature or this new function, where should I deploy it? I'm best off deploying it into the new applications that they very well might have to move from an old Win mobile system to an Android-based system. Well, that's good for them long term, and it's ultimately good for the industry. So I, I just feel this need uh, to communicate to the industry that is typically slow to adopt more modern technology, that the pace of change is quickening, right. and we can't constantly stay in these old systems and just sustain them forever. We have devices running in Brazil that are 30 years old, (laughs) which tells you they're extremely reliable, they're efficient. Now, granted, they're not at risk to cellular terrestrial-type communication changes because they all run satellite. Well, if the world were solely on satellite, that'd that'd be fine. But So the, the acceleration of 3G to 4G to 5G, the acceleration of computing on the edge and these mobile devices allow us to do things much more efficiently and effective 
than just constantly deploying in a technology stack that might have been built 10 years ago. At some point, you just fall too far behind if you, if you don't upgrade. And, you know, I think it's uh, also interesting the point you made about trucking really moving into the era of cloud computing. Of course, that's been a, a general technology uh, trend for some time now. Uh, but we've also, you know, we've definitely seen Omnitrax taking some significant steps in that direction recently. Uh, you know, the partnership with Red Hat, of course, is a good example of that. Um, recent acquisitions like uh, Blue Dot Solutions. Uh, what do you see as the challenges and opportunities of migrating more toward a cloud-based software? Well, the greatest challenge is the migration. And so we're building tools, uh, processes, uh, applications to automate the transition from legacy environments to the modern environment. And that essentially reduces the friction because you have, there's a period of time where you might have trucks running in the old environment and some running in the new, but from a, from a back office point of view, it needs to be completely transparent and not disrupt the day to day environment. So, we're building uh, tools, processes, and applications to help the migration. The biggest opportunity is that now you can deploy things that will benefit everybody. Hmm. I'll give you a perfect example. Every carrier today uh, sets up their own geofences. We have now automated geofencing. Hmm. And if you give us an address, we can give you an automatic geofence. There's no reason the industry has to keep recreating these things individually. And this goes on to POI intelligence. We have intelligence across over a million vehicles of where they pick up and where they deliver. Well, that intelligence today is only available to that carrier for their loads. In a platform environment, you can share that intelligence across the community. So it it really opens up a new era of innovation that wouldn't be available to them otherwise. And cloud computing gets over used. Sometimes it's interpreted as a third-party hosting site. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a cloud infrastructure that's native, that allows applications to be built, unique for a client, unique for the industry, whatever the case may be, and, and be deployed, you know, to those individuals, uh, to those companies uniquely, independent of everybody else. And the the big difference in it is that when we do a release in our old systems, it goes to everybody. And mm-hmm. a release in a cloud environment, it only goes to those that are going to use it or need it. Sure. And so it it really changes the way you build and deploy software. And in our case, it's going to make us dramatically more efficient. What we will be able to accomplish with 70 million of R&D spend in that environment will be 4x what we can accomplish in, you know, the older uh, environments that this company has done a great job of building and supporting and maintaining. But, you know, at some point you have to uh, pivot to the new. And the thing I would tell you is every time we have a new application or a new feature or function, we ask ourselves, can we just 
put it in the platform and make it available to the old. And that's how we'll migrate so that we create a more seamless experience. But for the customer to migrate, they need to port data, they need to port APIs, and you know, we're building the tools to automate all that. Understood. It'll be interesting to, to watch you know, the product development moving forward with a, more of a streamlined uh, platform. In times like these, it's crucial to stay informed. Transport Topics is offering all the information you need to make business decisions in these unprecedented times. And in the wake of the many event cancellations and group gatherings, TT ensures a virtual way to consume business content and conversation. To join the conversation and stay ahead of the news, follow Transport Topics on all social outlets or by visiting ttn.ws forward slash stay informed. Shifting gears a little bit, you know, back in November, uh, some of your customers using the older uh, MCP systems uh, experienced an ELD outage that was caused by a GPS rollover event. So drivers temporarily had to revert to paper logbooks before the issue was resolved. And you know, I think uh, the company was very open about the situation and, and certainly communicated with uh, customers and, and with the press uh, about the situation. And uh, you discussed it again here at the conference. And uh, but I think it was actually more most interesting to hear you talk about the lessons learned from that event. And one of those lessons was a push to bring hardware costs down, uh, down to a point where fleets will be willing to replace it more frequently. Uh, we do know that uh, you know some fleets tend to install hardware and just don't touch it again or upgrade it for many years. Uh, why do you think that's so important? Why is it important for fleets to have a more regular cadence and upgrade to newer technology rather than just you know, installing something across their fleet and not touching it for maybe a decade? Yeah, I think the original industry was created on a five, six, seven thousand dollar device, and and it was built very rugged to run forever. And so it became a commonplace that as you brought on a new truck, you just deinstalled it from the old one and put it in the new one. And, you know, trucks, uh, our largest clients operate trucks for about four years. That's their replacement cycle. Sure. All I'm saying is that with move, the price of hardware coming down, in some cases the OEMs intending to embed telematics devices in these these vehicles that we need to maintain a common refresh cycle where it's almost like you're you're buying the service and the hardware comes with it it's no different than your cable service and and that we just take customers through a common refresh cycle as they're buying new vehicles the challenge for the industry is going to be that every truck has three or four owners through its useful life right and so we've got to make sure that as it moves from first owner to second owner to third owner, there's interoperability. Right. And they don't have to rip that out and put something new in. And so our job is to help bring the total landed cost down so that the idea of common, consistent refresh cycles just becomes the norm. And I, you know, I made the comment that, uh, you know, as we can push those costs down, I just see us being the ones that say, 
we're going to update your box. It does require them to, you know, pull it off the road, install the new box, and then they're off and running. It's not this idea that you have a big bang every time, right. you know, something happens. But honestly, the industry is so fragmented. There is an element of this that will always be aftermarket, right? Okay. Where yeah. they might uh, have bought a, a truck from, they're the second or third owner, and they only want to use Omnitrax, and it had something else in it. Mm-hmm. Until the government creates a standard around ELD and data, we'll never be able to create that kind of interoperability. But any telematics device, it's our intent to be able to communicate with it, consume the data to enable all our software. Sure. In other words, really more of a, a hardware agnostic approach where, hey, we, you can supply your own hardware. We can increasingly that, use that's the right. OEM embedded hardware, um, maybe third-party devices that fleets bring in. Yep, that's exactly all. right. You know, another big change is coming for the industry is the sunsetting of 3G wireless networks. You talked about that a little bit as well. Uh, and that means that there's a lot of old hardware that's out there that's going to have to be swapped out and replaced uh, really over the next couple of years. Uh, so how are you going to manage that with your customers that still have some of those older devices out there and make sure that they're ready for that transition? Yeah, we're seeing a normal migration. I think we uh, our 3G products... Uh, declined about 15% last year. And so it's down to a, you know, it's in our world, it's well below 50% of our our install base. As an industry, it's more like two-thirds are 3G. So mm-hmm. we've got great uh, migration occurring today. And 3G, you know, we're setting a stake in the ground that two years from now, uh, 3G will be sunsetted and customers need to migrate. We've been building up our inventory in the supply chain because you can't just do it like you did ELD where you flip a switch and you're, you're live and you're compliant. You've got to plan this well in advance. And so our sales and account managers are working with our 3G clients to get them migrated over and yeah, we certainly have got sufficient time to do that. I think the customer has to make a decision. Do I still want a hardened device where it stays with the cab forever, or do I want to move to mobility and go ahead and make that change to a tablet at the time they, they migrate? And we've got both options available to them. Okay. And you also talked about some of the new software features that uh, have been in the works for a while. Uh, one of those is Omnitrax Tax Manager. So this is a, an automated IFTA fuel tax uh, application. Uh, so quickly, just tell us a little bit about that. And you know, how might that application be representative of the types of new features that Omnitrax is going to develop uh, in the future? Well, the uh, automated tax manager was built on the new platform. It's a containerized application. It consumes all of the the data coming off of the telematics uh, devices, uh, breadcrumb data. Frankly, it could be used by any uh, company. It consumes all the fuel purchasing from the fuel card companies, and it automates all the way down to actually filing the document. So, and it can go through and 
when it combines this data, use an AI and ML, detect where you have discrepancies in your tax filing based on the data, flags them, you can go in and correct it, you know, hit complete, and it literally creates the tax form at a state level based on that information. So today, companies are going to their telematics source, they're going to their fuel mm-hmm. source, they're going to get other data, and they're trying to compile it all in the back office, and it takes them weeks to get it done. And we're talking about something that'll they'll be able to uh, process, file IFTA taxes in a matter of hours as opposed to weeks. And it's just an example of something new that you can build in a in a new modern platform that can automate some real right. broken processes. And it's an example where someone might have said, well, why didn't you build that in the old platform? Well, it wouldn't be conducive to scalability, new innovations. As an example, to do IFTA right, you'd need to know if you're on a toll road or off a toll road. And we can detect through the system when they're on a toll road and know that they don't need to be filing IFTA taxes because they paid to be on the toll road. Well, through that process, we think we now have a way to create virtual toll roads uh, because you have this data. Now, the toll road companies in America might say, no, we still want a license plate and we still want to take pictures and do all these things. But this is what innovation is all about is challenging the status quo. And we'll be able to take that one step further and detect that they shouldn't have used the toll road because traffic was fine. So out of building an automated tax manager, we've discovered three other areas where we can build onto the application to create even more value. Sure. And uh, I'd like to go ahead and wrap up by asking one of my favorite questions. You know, it's it's an open-ended one. Uh, But how do you see fleet management technology evolving in the next 10 years? It's kind of the ultimate crystal ball question, but... You know, if we have the same same conversation that we're having a decade from now, what do you think we're going to be talking about? Well, we won't be talking about autonomy. Okay. That's my uh, belief. We will be talking about embedded software mm-hmm. where uh, you have more of a companion device to the in-cab touchscreens because you'll always need to do things outside of the cab, whether it's for the driver's purpose or for the delivery or taking photos or doing things. And so it's like you'll have two devices. One's embedded in the dash of the cab that's capable of running all our software with a companion device. They can do their work outside the cab and pair up. And and as that device moves from owner to owner, they'll be able to adopt things that the smaller carriers can adopt things that only the bigger ones used to be able to afford. And it's it's almost like it creates parity, like free agency did in the NFL, that uh, everybody now has access to the same capabilities that drives the kind of efficiencies and productivities that in the past only big fleets had access to. And I think that's great because the the backbone of American trucking is the small carrier. Right. 
and they've never had access to these kind of systems and tools before. And through these new platform technologies, automation that's happening, we can bring the same benefits to everybody. And so I, I just see more interoperability and more convergence between the physical and the logical. Um, hopefully the OEMs will stick to the agenda. I think trucking tends to go through more cycles and sometimes they'll pull back on R&D and uh, we need to partner with them to just continue to advance that. And I think it'll be to the benefit of everybody. And I, the technology is getting to a point where it's great co-pilot technology. Right. And that's where I see the benefits of all this work around autonomy and video and artificial intelligence. It just makes for a much more safer uh, driver vehicle yeah. and, you know, I think experience. All this technology to support and uh, assist the driver uh, more and more. And you have this interesting you know, convergence of you know, skilled driver and more and more technology to, to support them. That's right. You know, if the, the last 10 years are any, any indication, I think the next 10 will be uh, just as fascinating, fascinating, if not more. Right? Oh, way, way more fascinating. Every door we open, there's 10 more behind it. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open transport topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with transport topics. Next on Road Signs, I'm excited to welcome Derek Powell, president of Velocity, a provider of technology deployment and maintenance services for fleets. Thanks for joining the program, Derek. Thanks for having me, Seth. Appreciate it. So I'd like to discuss replacement cycles for the telematics hardware and onboard devices that fleets install on their trucks and, and on their trailers. You know, as you well know, many fleets generally want to maximize the lifespans of their uh, investments in technology, whether it's telematics systems or electronic logging devices. And in some cases, unfortunately, that might mean that the, the same device is in the cab or on the trailer for 10 years or more. Uh, you know, it's definitely not like going out and, and getting a new smartphone every year or you know, every other year. Uh, but you have better visibility to this than probably anyone at Velocity. Uh, so what would you say is a, a typical lifespan for an onboard computer or an ELD that's used in the trucking industry? You know, when you, uh, when you install these devices, how much time typically passes before the fleet is ready to swap it out and, uh, and put a new piece of hardware in? Well, Seth, I would say there's probably a pre-hours of service mandate answer to that question and then a post-hours of service mandate answer. Uh, in the, in the pre-mandate days, so we're talking 30 years ago, right, at this point, sure. and continuing up until the last three or four years. The lifespan of an onboard computing platform was certainly longer. Uh, and, of course, it varied by carrier, uh, but it was not uncommon, to your point, to see the same essential system operating for 10 years or more. Um, and so, so, so while that was not uncommon for a very long time, it, it certainly changed today. Uh, and in addition to the hours of service mandate, there, there are a couple of things that are really driving that replacement cycle. So hours of service, uh, but the coming transition uh, from 3G to 4G cellular connectivity. And then overall, just the amazing advancement of the capabilities within OBC platforms. So take driver tablets and driver facing apps as a great example. You know, I would say for most forward-facing technology fleets today, 
we're having a conversation about an upgrade at least every three years. Okay. So we've definitely seen some uh, movement toward faster replacement cycles, at least for those that are uh, tend to be uh, early adopters of, of new technology. Absolutely. And uh, what, what's your overall assessment? Do you think that there's, you know, across the whole industry, still room for improvement on that front? I mean, do you think that there are fleets out there that probably should be replacing their onboard technology more often? And if so, you know, why don't they? Is it mostly a cost issue or are there, or are there other barriers that prevent that? Well, c- certainly cost is a driver, of course. Um, but even beyond cost, the, the integration of an onboard computing platform into the back office and all of the various workflows that trucking companies have to consider today, uh, in addition just to the sheer effort in terms of human capital that it takes to, to take on and complete an upgrade, um, not to mention the risk that something doesn't go well. Um, it makes that decision to upgrade one that carriers can't take lightly. And so they need to have a solid plan in place for it and a, and a valid roadmap to a return on that investment that makes sense. So I, I don't know that I would generally say that uh, as an industry that, that there are a large percentage of carriers that are behind the curve in terms of transition. I just think that that the platforms have been around long enough now and they are so integrated into how these operations work that for most carriers, they understand the risks and complexities going into an upgrade and they realize that that's going to be in some cases a a multi-year process. What's interesting for them now is that the technology changes so quickly. If you have a 12 or 18 month roadmap lined up within your company to think about an upgrade, in all likelihood, the technology is going to advance pretty significantly over that time frame. So it's almost as if as going through, if a fleet has this year or year and a half time frame that they're thinking about it, they almost have to have checkpoints as they go to say, okay, this may be the state of the art platform for our business today. But as we go farther down into the process, things continue to change and they may have to pivot you know, three or six or nine months into that time frame, because something else comes along that has a really compelling ROI. Sure. Uh, and, it's, and like you said, it's not a simple task to, to swap out hardware in, in the trucking industry where, of course, you know, the assets, the equipment is, is all over the country in many cases. Um, but I do want to touch on, you know, of course, a major change in trucking's regulatory environment, you know, which is the ELD mandate. Uh, of course, ever since uh, the, the federal electronic logging device mandate went into full effect, uh, ELDs are absolutely mission critical in trucking. Uh, so any sort of device failure is a major concern for your operations. You only have a short amount of time to uh, get that fixed if you do have, run into that. Uh, and of course, Velocity offers uh, not just deployment, but also technology monitoring and repair through your VeloCare service. Uh, so you have an interesting vantage point on this, you know, based on what you've seen uh, just in you know really recent months and years, how frequently do ELDs run into technical problems uh, out on the road? Yeah, a great question. One that, that gets a lot of debate in the industry. In short, I would, I would say that more often than most people would guess would be the answer to that question. And, and it's not necessarily for the reasons that most people would guess. Um, We've had the benefit through our VeloCare program where we do provide carriers and ELD providers with a turnkey support offering to see many years of experience here. So dating back to about 2012 
and derived from about 850,000 systems that we support. The annualized average need to service or touch, so troubleshoot, replace, repair, uh, an ELD system installed for a broad swath of carriers of every different shape and size is about 18.6% annualized. So you could essentially say that close to one in five of them over the course of a year, for one reason or another, are going to need to be serviced in some way, shape, or form. Um, so, so that number tends to be a bit of a surprise to folks. Uh, the second part of that that really drives the need for that repair is, is often a surprise. Most people in the industry's initial reaction would be that that must be dominated by hardware failure. And while certainly hardware replacement's a normal part of the technology world today and, and is a driving need for support, fact is in carrier operations, if they're, if they're operating on an established hardware platform, hardware failures are less of an issue than some other factors. And those are really dominated by things like driver training, tampering, accidental damage. These are things that are major contributors to the need to support a program. Um, and today, really emerging in a heavy way are the driver tablets. So tablets are often consumer grade and available, available to be removed from the cab, right? So it's much more common for these other factors outside of just core hardware to drive a repair uh, or support need. Um, the, the good news is, is that there, there's really a proven program to be able to keep ELD and other onboard computing platforms operating at max performance and max, max uptime. Uh, we, we share and try to educate the industry and, and our customers that we boil it down to what we call the five P's that they need to have in place in order to manage a program. And you know, whether a fleet works with us or someone else or they're handling it internally, really these five P's drive the success of any ELD support grant support program. And quickly, those are a plan, no different than tires, brakes, and engines. Technology issues will come up. There needs to be a plan in place to deal with them. Being proactive, the second one is really critical, uh, especially in the ELD mandate age when there's eight days to repair a non-functioning unit. Um, that a proactive plan is critical. Having people, so number three, trained technicians that are able to affect the repairs. Number four, places to get the work done. So uh, as you mentioned, these units are out on the road and, and it is not convenient for drivers to have to uh, run out of route to a given location to get work done all the time. And so the ability to do that in places on a mobile basis is important. And lastly, parts. So having replacement parts readily available to get a repair completed and back online is really critical. So fleets follow those five P's and whatever plan they put in place, um, we find that they tend to have a lot more success. And I also want to discuss uh, yet another big change that's coming for the industry. And you alluded to this earlier, and that's the, the sunsetting of 3G wireless networks. And of course, that's a, a hardware change that's going to, to force companies to replace a lot of uh, uh, existing systems that are you know, installed on vehicles uh, today and, and to do so in the near term. Uh, so just how much is that 3G sunset driving technology replacement demand right now? Uh, it's, a, it's Every day it's growing and it's becoming really significant. So it's one of the major issues facing the industry over the next 24 months. 
Uh, we're currently seeing the leading technology providers and carriers take a pretty aggressive approach to this. Uh, and, I, and I would call it aggressive uh, because we, we really haven't had enough clarity yet from the cellular carriers regarding the dates by which upgrades are going to need to happen. So the 3G network will go down over time. 4G will, um, will arrive uh, incrementally over that time frame. And, and there hasn't been great clarity around how that, the timing of that transition is going to work. So, so I am a little concerned that the, that the industry as a whole could see a fairly high percentage of carriers that, due to a lack of clarity, might wait until late in the game. And as a result of that, we could see issues that, that compress the supply chain, so to speak, for hardware and compress the availability of integration resources for carriers who don't take a pretty proactive move there. So it's, it's highly suggested from our perspective that in, in light of the fact that we all know it's coming, it's sometime in the next 24 months or so, having a team focused on that and keeping their pulse on what's happening, not only with the carrier, cellular carriers themselves, but also, also with the technology providers is really key to make sure to not get caught behind the eight ball, realizing that the upgrade should have happened earlier. It's much like it was during the ELD upgrade mandate. So we obviously all knew the date by which that needed to happen. Um, there were some carriers that waited till very late in the game. And so that became that became an operational risk and a, and a cost driver for them the longer they waited. And, you know, in the consumer technology world, you know, that we've seen a lot of hype about 5G. Uh, so I just want to get your thoughts about, you know, uh, looking forward to 5G in the transportation industry. And uh, when do you think is the right time for fleets to begin thinking about that? Uh, is that still a little bit futuristic for trucking or is it, is it the time to, to start considering that uh, sooner? Yeah, good. great question. And, and I guess I would say both. Um, so uh, it's absolutely the right time to think about it. It's also very much a Wild West environment right now around 5G and what that will look like. One thing's for sure, when it's here, it will be a game changer for the industry. So knowing that that will be the case now is absolutely the time to think about it. I would encourage carriers to have a task force in place now to think about 5G and what that might look like because the reality is the 5G technology that will eventually roll out finally makes this promise of the Internet of Things, the IoT world, and the true connected supply chain that, that we talk about a lot in the industry, that will make it a reality. So the, the bandwidth improvements, the speed improvements, and really importantly, the reduction of latency that 5G provides is, is going to get us to a place where you have sensors installed on rolling assets who are able to provide real-time data. Um, and the, the examples of that we could talk about all day, but it, I imagine a, a truck needing service, a very reactive scenario in almost every case today, uh, becomes much more a proactive program later. So through the deep integration of sensor technology, making a fleet and a service provider aware with a notification that a vehicle will be incoming that has a specific problem. I, I think that'll, that'll eventually and gradually take the service of commercial vehicles from one now that is very much a troubleshoot driven reactive program that takes a lot of time and takes a lot of money 
it's one that'll be more like a NASCAR pit stop, if you will, that <laughs> we're pulling in and we know we have a problem and we know what it is, right? If we're racing a car, it's, it's fuel, it's tires in most cases. Um, I think in the future, uh, 5G will, will truly give that ability. And that's just one example. Um, vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communication, if you really think about the ability for 5G to be leveraged to have a true mesh network of vehicles communicating with each other, the benefits are incredible to think about at that point. It's, it's not just a question of efficiency and productivity, but safety. The, the safety of drivers and the safety of everyone around them is really incredible. So I, I think the reality of 5G, while it'll take some time to get there, it is not too early for carriers to be thinking about how they'll leverage it when the time comes. Got it. But still uh, a number of um, certainly months and in really years uh, into the future. Uh, what's your best guess as to, to when we might start to see some uh, real movement on 5G and trucking, if you had to wager a guess? Yeah, yeah. So notwithstanding the Wild West comment I made earlier, um, it, it's, I, I, let's look at it in the framework of 10 years. Um, I truly believe in 10 years, we're not even going to recognize this trucking industry as we do today. Uh, I think 10 years out, this idea of a truly connected smart fleet will be really common. I think you're going to have trailers and tractors and trucks that are outfitted with an, an integrated sensor network communicating at all times and in real time. And that'll be here. Uh, and and a, importantly, Seth, it won't just be on the rolling assets. This this promise of the efficiency of a true connected supply chain that's discussed means that not only are the rolling assets communicating information that's important, but so are the facilities. So if I'm a warehouse worker, a factory worker, if I'm on the cross dock, I'm getting information and able to make informed decisions about what is on the rolling asset, what kind of freight am I hauling, uh, what are my needs? How am I going to move shipments and adjust them based on real-time updates in the supply chain? And so we'll get to the point, I think, that based on this 5G technology and everything that it can support, that we'll truly be at the point where that, that concept of a connected supply chain is, is really true. Um, that I, would, would, be, uh, would be worth mentioning now that you know, one of the big ones we all talk about is, is obviously self-driving trucks. Um, and so everybody has an opinion on this. Um, I'm of the opinion that I think increasingly we will see an augmentation of the driver experience that will be very commonplace in the next 10 years. I'm not necessarily of the opinion that the driver is going away anytime soon, but I do think leveraging these technologies to augment and improve that experience for drivers will, will become much more commonplace and super important for an industry that, that obviously has challenges around attracting talent to drive trucks. So I, it'll be an amazing journey all the way around and, and it'll be incredible to watch for all of us in the industry. I certainly agree. It's uh, very exciting to think about, you know, where the industry is headed in the, the years and, and really the, the next decade and beyond. Uh, but I think that's a great stopping point. Uh, so I just want to thank you again, Derek, for taking some time out and uh, sharing some of your insights with us. Yeah. Thank you, Seth. Transport topics in one word, authoritative. Knowledge, outstanding. Reliable. We asked Transport Topics readers to describe us in one word. Informative. Informative. Integrity. The Bible. Authoritative. The authority. 
Transportation information, that's two, but I, I, I gotta have it both. Physically large. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's two words. Visit influence.ttnews.com forward slash say hello to find out what they're talking about. Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original question. Will fleets need to accelerate their replacement cycles for onboard technology? As we've heard from our guests, ELDs and telematics systems are more essential than ever in the trucking industry, so fleets will need to take steps to ensure that these devices stay up and running. And a big part of that is moving to a more regular cadence for technology upgrades. The 3G sunset is going to force a major surge in hardware replacement in the near term, but it won't stop there. The pace of technology will only accelerate in the years ahead. And in the future, as the industry becomes increasingly connected, it will no longer be good enough to ask drivers to rely on outdated technology. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with me and the Road Signs team. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a fresh episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.